Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Pro Wrestling Nation. I, of course, am your host. My name is Funky Sam Medina, and I am joined today by Andrew, the National Quebec Champion, Shane Hawk. What's up, Shane? How you doing, man? Man, I am doing well. That was a hell of an intro. Look at you. Uh, you know, man, I'm try, partying. Try. I'm ready. I'm pumped. I'm excited. Let's go. Let's have a good time. Hell yeah. I'm excited yeah. too, man. How how's your how's it going over there, man? How you doing? How's Quebec wrestling? <sighs> Quebec wrestling right now is the best it's ever been, man. We got a show. I don't like this will be released eventually, but like when we're recording this, I've got a show this Saturday coming up. Uh main evented by the IWGP world champion, Jay White. Wow. Against one of my students from the IWS to Protojo, Zach Patterson, uh, who is a direct descendant of that Patterson, which is pretty cool. Um, That's amazing. Like last time we did this venue, it was 1,400 people. This time I expect we'll do similar uh, TV. It's going to be film TV, 22 countries across the world, the Fight Network. Man, I am like, it's so much work. It's so much work. But when you see the finished product, bro, for like an independent company with no financial backing, it's just me and PCP Man. It's, it's just us busting our asses, trying to live the dream. Um, when we see it happen, it's like nothing else. You know what I mean? Like, it's like nothing else in life. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's incredible. That's cool that you're working with a descendant, uh, descendant of Pat Patterson. That's awesome. Yeah, so he's like not his actual descendant, but Pat Patterson's best friend is Bertrand Hebert and Bertrand Hebert's son is Zach Patterson. Okay. So, okay. like, the guy who wrote his biography, who was his best friend, took Pat Patterson's name as, like, an homage, as, like, a respect thing. Um, and, yo, he's living up to the, the living up to the criteria, man. This guy, like, Zach Patterson, he's doing a great job. If you folks haven't seen him at home, it's, uh, it's the Diamond Zach Patterson. I don't know his exact handling. It's, like, Zach underscore Patterson underscore W. I don't really know exactly. But, uh, yo, this guy's got a future. He's 21 years old. Jack to the gills, gorgeous, good attitude. You gotta love it. Hell yeah, that's awesome. The future of the business is exciting. That's what you I like were... about being a pro wrestling coach, man. Yeah, right. You're the uh, the national Quebec champion. Go out and tell us about the that title for a minute. Yeah, sure. Well, so the na- the Quebec national title is uh, essentially like how the NWA used to like uh, have a title that was defended between different territories. But the idea of this title is it's a provincial intertitle. So it's like a provincial wide title. So it can be defended in any company for Quebec. There's no letters attached to it. There's no company attached to it. There's no governing body. It's just the champion goes around and wrestles other people. And I've done two defenses so far. I'm looking forward to do a lot more. You know, I've been wrestling 20 years and I really feel, I really feel like I've got one, one good championship run left in me and i've been putting on some bangers and i'm real proud of what i'm doing right now so i think i'm in the best shape of my life and like i'm using this championship as a way to uh platform it if you know what i mean yeah no absolutely does the title ever get defended outside of quebec uh not yet but i would love to i would love to and so this year alone we've done me and my boys cast in production we've we've done all across the state so far we've done like five or six states uh we did europe and uh i don't know when this is gonna come out but like december 5th i'm going to mexico for a minute i'm going there for like so like i've done a fairly solid year of touring which is pretty fun um so i'm sure it's just a matter of time until i defend the connect national championship somewhere yeah definitely definitely that's awesome uh how how old is the lineage of that title uh so it's it's brand new actually i'm the first champion ever oh you're the first champion congratulations yeah thank you very much it was a project that a couple of uh 
different people from around Quebec came together, like several different promoters came together to kind of agree on this title. And I was the one who won the first championship and I've been defending it and uh, I'm real proud of it. I've got it with me actually, if you want to see it, hang on. Yeah, sure. This is an audio podcast, but I'll take a look at it. Oh, okay. Well, you can see it as an audio <laughs> podcast, but like, here you go. We can describe it in detail or folks at home. You can see how big this belt is. Oh, um, that is a really nice looking belt. It's very big. It's very shiny. You'll probably edit this out because nobody can hear it, but uh, see it rather. But I swear to you, uh, it is a gorgeous belt and I'm real proud of it. It's really big on me too. It like comes up to my nipples. Um, Inconvenient for the bag, but convenient for the ego. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure traveling with that thing isn't the the best, but you'll love it anyway. You'll love it anyway. Absolutely. I love that. I love the concept of that just because like you said, it is like old school NWA where you kind of just travel and it's not attached to a promotion and it's just kind of respected just in your, in your, like in the place where it is. And hopefully you can expand it soon. That's awesome. I feel like I'm somebody who like, I'm a respect guy. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm somebody who I, I'm respect first. So I like having this opportunity to wrestle different people across the province. I mean, Quebec's a huge province, man. Some people might not know it, but it takes like 12 hours to drive from one end of Quebec to the other. Like you could fit New York and New Jersey in Quebec alone. Yeah. I didn't Quebec know is that. huge. It's a massive territory. So to be able to like work around this huge territory that is my hometown, like my home province as well. Um, it's a blessing. I'm very happy for it. And I'm not, it's not something I'm taking lightly. So I'm working my ass off to make sure that this goes well, you know? Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. So tell us a little bit about the uh, IWS dojo. Hell yeah. So, uh, man, when I got into wrestling, like I, I've been in wrestling school for a long time and I'm somebody who thinks that you should never really, uh, stop learning in wrestling. You should never stop training. You know, I, I tell people all the time, like there are people out there who um, they like, you know, they go to wrestling school for like a year or two or whatever. And they're like, Oh, I'm done. I know how to wrestle now. And I'm like, you want to be a professional yeah, athlete. <laughs> you're, but that's it. Like I'm done. I don't have anything else to, to do or to practice. And to me, that doesn't make sense. You know, you're a professional athlete. Like you're in the NHL, you're in the NFL. You're going to practice how many times a week, like two, three times a week just to make sure that you're an elite level athlete staying on your game. But then you got professional wrestlers who are just not willing to do that, which I find is very silly. So I wanted to really create a top notch athletic facility, which is something that Canada really lacks. Um, there are not too many like world-class level facilities. I mean, what, what's the most famous Canadian wrestling school you can think of is probably the Hart family dungeon. They have a facility now but like back in the day, that was just in a basement, you know, it's not really something <laughs> yeah, it was. you don't have like the nightmare factories in Canada, you know, you don't have the NXT performance center, but we, uh, my part this like IWS, we put together a 23,000 square foot facility. We got a boxing ring, a wrestling ring, a full suite of gym, all sorts of equipment, um, West side barbell equipment that is unique. Let's the only West side barbell equipment in Quebec which is really cool. So like, it's the only kind of workout that you can get. You can only get that at our place. We've got top-notch quality trainers. Uh, it was myself and Speedball Bailey. Former alumni coaches are, of course, uh, Matt Menard, Daddy Magic, Cool Hen and Angela Parker of AEW fame. Yep, yep. Um, a lot of our students have done quite a bit. And this year alone, our students have traveled to Europe. They traveled to Mexico. They traveled to the United States, all across Canada, all these things. People are getting opportunities left and right. And the reason is because... I don't try to keep you in the dojo as long as other people might, you know, you're going to have wrestling trainers who they're going to try to keep you in there for two years, three years, bleed you dry. They're going to use their name value, then a coast and what they're going to do is get the most money out of you possible. And I think that's bad business. 
I think the right philosophy when it comes to pro wrestling training is to make my students as good as possible that they're able to leave me as soon as possible. And they're able to go out there and they're able to have the high profile matches. Zach Patterson, my student against Jay White. I'm booking that match. I want my kids to do better than me. And I mean, if that's a commercial for me, then that's great. But I never understood the concept of not wanting your students to do better than you did. And I mean, I've traveled the world. And if my kids can do better than I do, then I've only done my job. I've yeah, succeeded. giving back to the wrestling business. Hell yeah. It's done so much for me. I mean, it's taken a lot from me, but it's done a lot for me. <laughs> yeah, and over, I'm sure it has over, both ways. <laughs> you know, but over 20 years. But like, just because I had to suffer a little bit or I had to grind or I had to pay my dues in a certain way, uh, doesn't mean that my students have to do that. So I'm able to I'm able to provide a little something better for them, which I really like. But at the same time, they got to be tough as balls, man. I don't know how much I can swear on this podcast, but like, oh no, you're good. I, all right, my kids doesn't can, listen. My kids can work their asses off. Let me tell you. And I'm not some dude who's gonna like make you stick around and do like five million squats just for the sake of trying to blow you up. And then we no, I'm gonna like I'm gonna drill you. But yeah, and you're gonna be a sick ass wrestler. I'll tell you that much. But uh, it's not about hurting people. It's about making them love it so much that they want to just work their asses off. And that's about inspiration. It's about coaching style. And I know for a fact that like my kids, man, I'll put them up against anybody in, in the entire world. Easy. You like you give me anybody in the world, I'll put my kids in there. They're gonna slaughter them. They're gonna destroy them. That's awesome. Hell yeah! And you said you opened doors on Dece- December first. That's right. So we open officially December 1st. It's in Montreal North and Quebec. We've got people from all over the world come to uh, train with us. People from Ireland have come, uh, spent a few months with us. Uh, recently, we had people from Pennsylvania, people from New Jersey. Um, there's people from Alabama coming soon. Uh, we've had a few people from France come over, uh, a couple of people from England. Like People come from across the world to train. Um, I think that one thing that I am particularly good at is storytelling. Like I've done master classes in storytelling and like wrestling psychology and diving deeper into wrestling psychology than just like the who, what, where, when, and why, you know, like my wrestling psychology is like dopamine and serotonin and how can we influence hormones through archetypal storytelling and through nonverbal communication? Like I get nerdy with that shit, but also (laughs) like, you know, I'm a classy classic, like British style wrestler and I've trained in Lucha and I've trained across the world and like I can do strong style. Um, December first, we're opening officially. You got like maybe like twenty students right now. I would really love to double that. Uh, we haven't been able to really advertise yet because we're still moving, right? Like, I'm not going to create a video commercial uh, while like we're still moving and things are gross. But I, I really think that when things open up, um, we're going to take off. I'm really excited about it. It's a really exciting project. So, how much different is it from your current school to the new one? Well, so in the place that we were before, like we moved, but the place that we were before, like it's about half the size easily. Um, things were very cramped. We have a lot of equipment, like a lot of workout equipment, like bench presses and squat racks and all that, like multiple treadmills, that kind of stuff. And like that can get really cramped if you don't have that much room. We have, we also hang like heavy bags and speed bags and like we share it with a boxing company. There's a boxing school there and I'm going to bring in some MMA trainers. I want my kids to learn catch. I want them to learn like jujitsu, that kind of stuff as well, just for the sake of not just for knowing it, but like, if you know it for real, you can do it better, you know? So, uh, it's like, it's double the size and there's like things like heat, like at the old place, we didn't have a heating system that worked, you know? <laughs> those those probably come in Canada. 
it's Quebec winter, man. It's Quebec yeah. winter. Like, we, we would suffer. Uh, and then no air conditioning in the summer kind of thing. Now we got things like Wi-Fi. Whoa, wild. Wow. Um, Welcome to 2022. Yeah, no. uh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> 1996, I'm glad to be uh, finally in the 90s. But, you know, like we built that shit from nothing, right? So like, yeah. it's not like we came in with like a big investment seat or anything. Right. It was yeah, like, absolutely. we have nothing. We're going to build this from the ground up. That's cool, and though, man. So we such, did. Such, such an upgrade. I mean, hey, heat, Wi-Fi, air conditioning, an alarm system. Woo! You know what I mean? Like, we're right. living those on things up. You kind of look over those things sometimes, but those are very important. They're basic necessities that we take for granted. And then, like, drinkable water, you know? Like, we, <laughs> we take that for granted, but then you get them and it's like, oh, life is good. Yeah, exactly. Hey, so as a, a 20-year pro and somebody who trains now, uh, mm-hmm. what would you say to somebody who's sitting at home who maybe wants to be a wrestler but doesn't really know? Do it. Just do it. Um, it's the most fun you're ever going to have in the world. It's it's the best. It's it's uh, Maybe my emotion's coming out right now, but like, if, if you want to do it, at least take a free trial class somewhere. Do it. Don't just leave yourself thinking about it. Don't do it. And like, here's another thing. So like, all right. So that's like, if you're thinking about it, do a trial class. Just go to a school. Have fun. It's supposed to be fun, you know? And like, don't go in there. Don't put pressure on yourself. Make sure you just enjoy it. You should just, it should be one of the best experiences of your life. Now, if you want to be like a for real wrestler and like you go when you want to, my first thing is really simple. It's get into shape. And I don't mean to get jacked and i'm not saying be a steroid guy i'm not saying be like a blonde hair uh fake boobs uh, but if you want to be that too that's great that's awesome you know be what you want but i'm not saying that you have to be the like archetypal lex luger to be a pro wrestler you just got to be in a shape in the terms of like you got to be safe you know what i mean like you got to be able to pick people up and you got to run the ropes and all that stuff uh, make sure that you're physically conditioned enough to the point where you're not going to hurt yourself. That's number one. Like, please be safe. That's the real crux of it. Please be safe, you know? And number two, I got this from William Regal. I did uh, AEW recently in uh, Toronto. Um, we did the tapings there, and I did extra work, and I got to wrestle in dark, and it was a fantastic experience. And, oh, wow, that's uh, awesome. Jericho Appreciation Society guys, uh, Matt Menard and uh, Cool Hand Ange. Well, it was really Matt. It was Daddy Magic. He, he set it up so that, like, I could have, like, a, a seminar, like kind of like a private conversation with Regal. Um, and I brought my students with me because I, I had brought like three or four students with me to the tapings and they got to do stuff too, which is really cool. They got to wrestle on AEW as well. Um, wow. But we got to sit down with William Regal and uh, he said to us, like he gave us like a, an hour and a half speech. It was, it, was, it was fantastic. Nothing like, I couldn't say it was anything I particularly didn't know already because I've been around 20 years. But like he says it in such a really good way. He, his communication method is so efficient that I could see things sinking in. And then he said something that like really touched home with me. It was like really something that I'm going to, I'm going to keep saying for a long time. And he said, boys, if you want to be a weekend warrior and just wrestle, that's fine. If you want to be a full-time wrestler, that's fine too. But make sure that you use wrestling. Don't let wrestling use you. And I thought that was brilliant. That's yeah, that's incredible. Use wrestling. Don't let wrestling use you. And I think that doesn't just apply to wrestlers. No. I think that applies to wrestling fans. I think that applies to just like everything in life. But like the idea of William Regal, this grinder, this like old school villain sitting down and like he really meant that. And he's like, if you're going to be, if you're going to be happier being at home and married, you should do that. 
don't sacrifice that for pro wrestling. Like you should enjoy this. This is meant to be fun. And he gave an example of people who might like show up at a show or watch a show and they're like bitter about it. They're angry about it. You know what I mean? Like you watching like raw and you're tweeting about how much you hate it. Turn it off. Yeah. If you don't, if if you don't want to have fun, if you're not having fun, don't do it. Nobody's forcing you to. You're a grown ass adult. And even if you're not, nobody's forcing you to, you should be loving this. And like, so for a wrestling student, I really have to say, use wrestling. Don't let wrestling use you. Make sure you're having fun. And if you're not having fun, you don't need that shit. You can find something else. You will always find something else. Yeah, no, that's incredible. Um, I love William Regal. You know, I've been a big fan of his since he was in WCW back in the day. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I really want him back in the WWE. But I feel like he's in a situation right now in AEW where he can kind of give back, right? He kind of do on-the-spot seminar with your students. And that Man, is- it was great. Like, I saw him. We were backstage, you know, like he was uh, – he like was he was training people um like they were doing a pre-show training kind of thing you know and like it was like garcia and yuda and uh anthony bowens max caster like a bunch of like the newer guys you know uh, dante martin uh lee moriarty like those guys were all kind of just sitting under his learning tree Wow, That's and i saw that happening and i like grabbed two of my kids and i was like yo come and so we just went and sat in the first row like it was in between things that the extras were doing but we kind of just sat in the first row and just listened in to what he was saying. And he was just kind of giving experience. Yeah. That was it. He was just like talking about stuff that you only learn from being as traveled and as famous and as talented as he does. But like, we got to sit there and listen. So hell, like, yeah, I want him back. Like, you want to get what I want for him. I'm, I don't want him back in WWE. I don't want him in AEW. I don't want him anything. What I want for him is to, for him to be happy. Yeah, absolutely. If he's, if, if he's happy, I'm cool. I don't need him to be doing anything for me in particular. If that dude is happy, if that dude is making money and if that guy is safe, hell yeah, I support it, you know? And that's what I like. I really do feel about that, about like a lot of wrestlers, like some people might want them more in this company or that company or wrestle this style or that style. And I'm like, yo, is the dude happy? Is the dude safe? Is he loving life? Is he getting paid? Hell yeah. Then good for him, man. Like, I just want to, like, I, I know what I like. I know what I don't like. And I just like people being happy. So it's like, I see some people who are living, like Sami Zayn, who was my trainer, like having the best time of his life with the bloodline. I think it's the best oh, thing yeah. in the world. I've been watch this. And I'm so happy. Yeah. How good is that? Right? That's incredible. Yes. That's, and that's one of the best things on television today. Easily. And yeah. he's just enjoying what he's doing. Like mm-hmm. when a wrestler is truly happy, when a performer is truly experiencing happiness, man, like that translates to, to the audience that translates through the screen. And it's a really like important and deep feeling. And that kind of emotional connection is what makes pro wrestling so special. Yeah, definitely. And that line, uh, use wrestling, don't let wrestling use you. I mean, yeah. I'm a, com- I'm not a wrestler. I'm a comedian, but I feel like that could pertain to what I do too. Pretty much whatever uh-huh. your passion is that kind of relates to that. Make, make sure that it's still fun for you. Yeah. You know? like we do make sacrifices. Totally. Absolutely. Um, and I feel like a lot of us come from this era where we're like, if you don't pay your dues, if you don't suffer for your art, uh, then you're not a real artist, you know, whether that's comedy, that's music or anything like that. But it's like, guys, it's supposed to be fun. Life is short. You know, like we only have precious minutes on this earth. Let's have fun with it. Every second that you spend in negativity is just a second. You're not going to get back. Right. And like, you ever heard time is money and you spend time 
Imagine paying somebody to piss you off. Imagine you're mad at somebody and you're paying them your hard-earned money. You go to work, you get your paycheck, you pay them money to make you mad, right? Like people who hate Jim Cornette, for example, and they like, that's, they just hate, or people who hate AEW, like both of those teams, you know what I mean? Like you are literally paying seconds of your life to be mad at someone. That does not compute for me. I couldn't do it. Like, I get why people get mad, but at the same time, like, why are you affording these people so much importance? And like, I feel like that way about wrestling too. There's just so much wrestling out there that like people are like, oh, I'm mad at the flippy shit or, oh, WWE doesn't have enough falsies or, oh, Japanese, uh, like New Japan is all a strike fest. And it's like, bro, why are you watching? Watch something else. There's so much out there that you could possibly watch that you could enjoy. And there really is wrestling for everybody out there. Yeah, there, there really is always. Yeah, you really have a. Uh, you're not. You're not an angry, grizzled vet. You know, twenty years. No, of you have such a good, uh, positive attitude. Where does that come from? Uh, man, it comes from mental illness. I'll be honest with you. Like I've been a mental illness uh, advocate for a long time. Okay, uh, I have. I, I don't use the word suffer. Uh, I, I live with depression and anxiety, a condition called dysthemia, which is like double depression. That's It's called the cancer of mental illness. And uh, I dealt with that for a long time. And people can look this up. Like I've been doing this for a long time. Um, if you look up, there's the McLean's, uh, which is a Canadian publication. It's called the McLean's uh, Shane Hawk, Mentally Ill. You can see about that. I've been very open with it. Uh, there's also like Bell's Let's Talk campaign. That might be a little bit more familiar with people who like across the border. Um, but I've been an advocate for them too. I've, I've had a hard time with mental illness in my life quite a bit. And I kind of like had to teach myself how to be positive. Um, I, so definitely like it gave me perspective. Let's say that like mental, like when you live your life in depression, you kind of like go one or two ways. You get, you go really dark in the hole or you figure out a way to get out of the hole. Um, and I, when I got out of the hole, and I lived in like, uh, I lived in uh, mental health facilities, all that stuff. Like I, I, I had a hard time of it, a good 10 years. Um, but when I got out of the hole, which I did through just uh, positive thinking, uh, proper dinner, like diet. And like, I say that, but it's so hard to do. I got lucky. I take medication too. You know, it's just, I got the right cocktail to get out. But when I realized that I was out, I wanted to reach back and I wanted to help other people. So if I see other people in the hole, I try to help them out of the hole too, the depression hole or the darkness hole or whatever have you. Then I realize I like helping people. And like maybe a little bit selfishly, maybe a little bit selfishly, but when people are good around me, when they're having a good time, they tend to be nicer to me. And so if people are being nicer to me, I'm having a better time and then I'm making them feel better, you know? Like pro wrestling, I'm sure you've heard this before, like a pro wrestling match is like a competition of who can sell, who can outsell the other guy. Have you heard that? Like, like Shawn Michaels famously said that he was like a pro wrestling match is like competition who can make the other guy look better, you know? Mm -hmm. And to me, I kind of apply that philosophy to everyday life. Like, how can I make other people around me happy? Not to the point where I'm people pleasing them, mind you, because like you can not like me and that can be cool. But if you're somebody who that I respect or who I like or even just like random people, I don't start like my default is not that people suck. My default is that people are cool and they got to lose my respect and I've got to gain my respect. You know what I mean? And I find that that just, that suits me well. And other people have different ways and that's cool. Um, but for me, 
Uh, I just find that when I'm nicer to people, when I'm kind to people, uh, they tend to treat me better and that makes my life better. Yeah. So there's that. And two, uh, if you're not insecure about where your food's going to come from, you don't really worry about other people eating. You know, I, uh, when I see other people succeed, I don't get jealous of them. I'm proud of them. I want to help them. And my success comes too, but like, I'm not insecure about who I am in wrestling or who I am in life. You know, I've done a lot of, a lot of wrestling. I've worked for all the major companies. Uh, I've been wrestling for 20 years. I have my school. I have my TV show. I'm doing pretty good. So I think that I can make other people look good too. And I think that one of the appeals of Shane Hawk is that I'm really good at making other people look good. I'm the sell guy. I'm the utility heel. And you need that guy. You need the carpenter. You need the good hand. Absolutely um, do. And I feel like once you accept that role, like once you realize who you are in the story, like I'm not necessarily Hulk Hogan or like John Cena, but I am a really good, like Mr. Like million dollar man or Roddy Piper or like edge, you know, I can be like that great role. Then it can make a lot of money. And that's kind of like what it's all about. Right. But I mean, I've gotten to do the, I've toured the world, which is really sweet. Uh, I made a lot of money. I've like made a living off of this. I have my own school. I got my own fed. I got a TV show plays in 22 countries across the world. Uh, I've written books for WWE. I've wrestled for AEW. I have a working relationship with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Like, if you told five-year-old Andrew, Andrew, if you told five-year-old me what adult me was doing, he would be stoked, bro. He would be so happy. So, like, I'm proud because that little kid would be proud, you know? Yeah. That's incredible. Um what kind of what kind of work and books have you written for WWE? So, uh, I mean, you can't see this because it's an audio podcast, but uh, you can kind of see behind <laughs> me. I've got some frames on the wall. Uh, I wrote uh, six books for WWE's comic book division through uh, Boom Studios. So uh, my buddy Andy, who is a wrestling student from IWS, uh, Bob the Animal Anger, awesome dude. Uh, he draws for like Marvel, DC, like all the top companies. He has his own publishing company. He's a comic book guy. He's a professional comic book artist. And uh, he got offered to draw for the WWE books, the official books through Boom. And so they hit me up, wanted to know if I want to write it. We ended up doing six books in total. Um, one in particular that I'm really proud of was, uh, it's like kind of like canonically filling in Taker and Kane as children in the burning funeral home when they were kids. Like they've oh, always alluded wow, to that. that's crazy. Right? It's pretty cool. So it was like 10 pages of like filling in what happened there and how it happened. Yeah, like backstory on that. Right. And so we wrote that. Well, I, so I wrote it and he he drew it. And then in 2019, when it came out, uh, WWE gave it out as like the gift of their stockholders meeting, which was really cool. So like if you were a stockholder, you like went to Connecticut or whatever for the meeting. And like that was the gift was this story, which like was super flattering for me. Um we did stuff about Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Uh, I did a, a story called Damien's Dinner Time, which is Jake the Snake Roberts' snake Damien, like, psychically possessing him. So, like, when he ddt <laughs> somebody, was, like, feeding Damien kind of thing. Oh, you know, like, it was, like, very comic booky. Like, we did uh, Roman, Roman Reigns uh, as a legitimate shield uh, knight against uh, Braun Strowman, who was a legit monster, like, terrorizing the countryside, you know? Uh, like silly things we we had a, a script that was uh brock lesnar uh traveling through time to conquer other conquerors so it was like <laughs> that's the ancestors right? so like triple h's ancestor in viking times and like 
Irish ancestor of Seamus and like and the reveal was that he used Jericho's wormhole from like the Y2J situation to like go back in time and to conquer these conquerors. Um it was fun, man. It was a lot of fun. And then that got me like in the WWE system. So they brought me backstage to SmackDown and I got to like meet the writing team. Robert Evans was writing for them at the time. He was a friend of mine, which was really nice. Um, started like emailing back and forth with NXT about a writing position, but then the pandemic hit and that was like, that was kind of washed, but it's all good. We repositioned, we refocused and uh, doing pretty well now. Yeah. Yeah. How does it feel for you um, that you're writing these books? Cause they're almost like Canon to the WWE story. And like, this is things you grew up watching. It's straight up. Like, it's so cool. Like my first wrestling show live show was survivor series 97, which was the screw job. Right. So, like, Kane versus right, Man, that yep. show is dope. Like, I grew up with that era. And, like, to be able to fill in this kind of massive piece of the story, like, it's it's really big, right? And I got to not only do that, but, like, they didn't make any suggestions on my script. They just loved it. They were just like, yeah, let's do this. Great. Uh, that felt really, really cool. That felt really, really cool. I hope I get to do a lot more of it in the future, but as it is, like I'm kind of crafting my own stories now with IWS and let's hope that I achieve even a fraction of the level that those stories did. But I mean, Hey, I get to do what I love. So I'm not complaining. Right. Did you go to school for writing? Like, I mean, you don't just, because you're a wrestler, you get to write these stories. No. uh, So I went to university. uh, I have an English literature bachelor's degree and I did a minor in creative writing at Cordy University. And I actually used to, uh, like, while I was working in Shikara for a while, like, 07, 09, I was also in university. So I would, like, drive from Montreal to Philly to, like, work the arena shows and then drive home overnight to be in class on Monday. So I did all of that degree while being an active professional wrestler who was touring the United States. Um, very, very difficult. Couldn't do that now. Way too old for that. Need to go to bed. Pop right. Bear's done. You but could, I mean, you wouldn't want to. That's for sure. <laughs> when I was twenty, very different stories. But like legit, I would go and drive the. I would drive down the Friday after class. I would stay over. I would wrestle Saturday. Wrestle Sunday. Drive home overnight and go right to class. And I mean, I I'm one of the only like you know people make fun of like lit majors because they're like, oh, you're never gonna get a job with it. Well, like screw you, bro. I did. So whatever. Right. I got. It. I'm a lit job. What's up? <laughs> That's awesome. How would, I don't want to pull the curtain back too much, but how would you mm-hmm. compare writing the comic books to almost like writing wrestling storylines? Bro, it, it's, it's the same thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like, to the extent also, so is porn. Um, the Marvel movies, porn, wrestling, it's all the same thing. It's all the same structure. Uh, it's all like shine, heat, comeback. Um the Marvel movies are just wrestling matches. They're just wrestling. Yeah, the babies get the baby they, faces get beat up in the beginning, and they prevail in the yeah. end. They the baby faces have a, a quick shine. They beat a B villain, right? And then they have like a heat where they do something wrong, and everyone is mad at them for some reason. And then they have to come back together and then beat the boss at the end. Wow! Like, yeah, that you just summed it up. They're all just shine heat comeback. Like everything is like that. Um, but like all. 
stories, all action stories have been like that since the dawn of time. There's this book called The Hero with a Thousand Faces that I assigned to my students. It's by this uh, comparative mythologist by the name of Joseph Campbell. And what he did was he compared like all the uh, action stories from like all the way to Mesopotamia. And he just kept like coming up with different, like you just realize there's a pattern to these things where like this small town, innocent person, Luke Skywalker, Clark Kent, Jesus. Right. Uh, Jesus. Goku. Yep. The, the Bible is the right. ultimate good versus evil. Yep. Goku, all of it. Like these characters, right. They all start off as like these innocent, like, you know, boy scout, good people. Right. And they go through this like big tragedy, like their parents die or something. Um, and then they end up like facing obstacles. And when the obstacles are done, they die. They literally die. Like Jesus dies, Goku dies, uh, Frodo dies. Like they all die. They all straight up die. And maybe sometimes that ego death, right? Maybe that's not necessarily like physical death, but maybe like they're embarrassed or uh, they lose all of their earthly possessions or whatever. They quote unquote die, right? And then they make a comeback. There's some kind of ally character that tells them to just dig deep inside and believe in themselves and they'll come back. And then they come back and they make their comeback. And then John Cena hits flying tackle number one, flying tackle number two, duck clothesline, belly to back suplex, five knuckle shuffle. Um, you see this time and time and again, the protagonist character dies and comes back. And like, that's the hero narrative. All of these stories have the same exact narrative, but it, it works. And like people want to pretend like it doesn't because they're like, oh, I'm, I'm not like that. But it works on a subconscious emotional level. It works on like a hormonal, primal human DNA that we all share kind of level. Like doesn't matter if you're smart, you're dumb, you're rich, you're poor, race, creed, whatever. That emotional level is going to speak to you in some way, you know, like here's another example, for example. You ever notice there's always a dancing character in WWE? Yeah. There's always a dancing character. Yeah, they always come favorite out favorite like, usually too. They come, <laughs> out like, like, they come out like uh, halfway through the show usually, right? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people, they're like sitting down for a long time. And the dancing character comes out and they stand up and they start dancing and then they get a blood rush to their head and they do a little bit of cardio and they get some energy and they start to feel good about it. And they associate that good feeling with what they're seeing in the ring. One of the most yeah. famous, one of the most famous baby face runs ever was Daniel Bryan with the yes movement. Think about Japanese business practices, man. How they make you like go on the roof and do calisthenics. Like, have you seen that? Like that's what Brian Danielson did. He made people get out of their seats and start doing squats. And most people don't exercise very often. But if you stand up really fast, say on a plane or whatever, oxygen flows to your brain real quick and you start feeling high. And if you start doing exercise, your body likes to reward you. You're going to feel good about yourself. And you're going to associate that with whatever phenomena is in front of you in the ring. That might be Daniel Bryan doing the yes movement. That might be Coco Beware. That might be Public Enemy, Emma. Um, Bushwhackers back in the day bushwhackers uh, uh the oddities uh like there's so many of them same it's same with catchphrases like new day's catchphrase road dogs catchphrase all these things where like you sing along that kind of thing like that big like that big uh 
audience participation movement. It's like a group ritual that like makes you feel bigger. It makes you feel like part of something. Yeah, it's so yeah. powerful in pro wrestling. And it's one of the only artistic mediums where you can do that. You know, like you go watch the Avengers. We were talking about the Avengers and like that structure, right? But you go watch the Avengers and like you yell something at Captain America on the screen, like, yo, Steve, don't throw the shield this time. Steve Rogers still throws that shield. But if you, like, are at a wrestling show and you yell, like, do a suplex, chances are good that that dude is going to do a suplex. You're going to actively have an impact on the story. Pro wrestling is one of the last forms of art where the artists and the the audience are creating the artistic medium at the same time, which is why it's so special. Because wrestling as art is not just the wrestlers putting on a show. It's the fans who are participating, and it's so important to it. Because otherwise, we're just... Grown adults play fighting in our underwear, which is also fun. <laughs> which is fun. It's also yeah. fun, but it's not what we, we're trying to do, right? It's mm-hmm. not what we're trying to do. It's a different, different, different kettle of fish, as my grandmother used to say, you know. But like we love that hero narrative, man. We love that hero narrative. We love to participate. I'm I'm a bigger wrestling fan than anybody, man. Even though I've been wrestling for 20 years, like I always tell my suit, it's the only difference between us and the people on the other side of the curtain is that we're dumb enough to ruin our weekends doing this shit. Like, you, there's just this appeal, this emotional appeal to pro wrestling that you just cannot find anywhere else. No, that's and true. Some people get it, some people don't get it, and that's fine. But the people who get it, man, they get it, and that's what makes wrestling so powerful as a medium, and that's why it connects us so much. You can like have nothing in common with somebody and be like, "Hey, I like wrestling," and then you're best friends. Yeah, Straight no, definitely. I've I've met so many people just because of wrestling. Maybe wearing right? a wrestling shirt, you know. You're like, yeah, you're like, oh, you like Stone Cold. I like Stone Cold. They're like, yeah, oh, let's talk. You could have nothing else in common. Yeah, you're gonna be best yeah. friends for life. You're just bonded all of a sudden. You're gonna come over and watch the pay per view or the the premium live event. Excuse me, I'm not up up to date with. The I hate that. Approach. I hate that term. Uh, I was at a premium comic show years ago, like five, six years ago, something like that. And I was wearing a yeah. wrestling shirt, and some other comic came up to me because of the wrestling shirt. We talked, we started talking about wrestling, and we're yeah, really yeah. to this day. Now, of course, you are. It's just like it's such a niche thing, but like it says something about a person, mm-hmm. you know. Like if somebody get like it's very rare that somebody likes wrestling, and I'm probably not going to get along with them. Maybe we're not going to be best friends, but like we can watch a pay per view. You can you know sit down I mean? together, like, right, we, and watch a show. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, my wife wasn't really big into wrestling until uh, the CM Punk pipe bomb, and that right really on. like changed her perspective on on the theater of it. And now she just loves it. She's a huge wrestling fan. I always tell people it's like so like people like to say like live action soap opera, right? Like mm-hmm. one of the big things is like wrestling is fake, and like people take such offense to that. Like wrestlers, like if you sell, tell a wrestler that wrestling is fake, they get so mad. You oh, know? Yeah. they're like, oh yo, it hurts so much. Uh, oh, you don't know what you're talking about, bro. If you say wrestling is fake, you just don't get it. That's like saying water is wet. That's like saying ice is slippery. Yeah, wrestling is a competition. Cirque du Soleil is the same shit, bro. Mm-hmm. Like, you're telling me, like, Jericho wanted, that, uh, wanted to put wrestling in the Olympics recently. And he was like, you're telling me the synchronized swimming isn't the same as pro wrestling? The only difference is pro wrestling is a lot more dangerous. Like, yeah, I actually, I heard, I heard Chris Jericho say that. Um, he was, yeah. I don't remember, he was on some podcast and he was talking about, you know, put Americans versus Americans, you know, put this country That's versus it. this country and just score them. And whoever has the highest score wins. You know how sick that would be? 
That was I, like, I'm all in for this. I'm all in. For that. I am too. When he said that, I was all in for it too. I think that's a great idea. Man's a genius. Chris Jericho is a genius. <laughs> yeah. yeah. One of my favorite wrestling moments, uh, you know, maybe 10 years ago, 15 years ago, my buddy and I were at the show and Chris Jericho was walking by. We're like, yeah, Jericho, yeah. And he just like points at us. And that's all it takes. That's all it takes? Yeah. And- Eye contact. That's all you need. That's all you need. Someone of the soul. Yeah, absolutely. Like, if you want to see somebody who's good at pointing, watch Sami Zayn's babyface work. Um, <laughs> he likes to reach out to the audience like the Backstreet Boys and like curl his hand in. Like um, Dusty Rhodes in that promo. Put your hand on the TV. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's like exactly like that. And it's just so good. He's so good. It's ridiculous. That's incredible. I never really noticed that. I have to uh, I have to go back and you're gonna trust me, pay attention to it when he's a baby face and you're gonna see it. He's gonna get into a chin lock and he's gonna reach the audience and pull his hand back in Backstreet Boy style and you're gonna mark out. It's hell yeah. He's so good. Like he he gets thrown into the buckle and then he does like this uh like fake jab. Like Terry Funk used to do this too. Like he used to sell like throwing a punch to nothing. Um and it's just so effective to me, it just like gets me out of my seat. I'm just like, fuck yeah, that's like that's a sell. Hell yeah. That's awesome. Hey, uh, you have this you have this gimmick, uh, this Andrew gimmick, and I kind of introduced you with it earlier. Andrew. Tell us about Andrew. Yeah, I mean, uh, bro, like Andrew is uh, well, it's my real name, but like I've been wrestling at Shane Hawk for 20 years. Um, but one day I just started yelling my shoot name like a Pokemon. <laughs> Did you just do like, it because of Pokemon? I raised my hands as loud as high as I could and I just yelled my shoot name, Andrew, <laughs> and it just like caught on. And I was with uh, the Voros twins, the Davinci boys. Uh, they were staying at my place. They came for, uh, for out of the West, these, these TikTok megastars. And they were like, maybe you're, maybe you're Andrew is our Davinci. Like maybe that's your thing now. So I just kept trying it and trying it and trying it. And it just, it has picked up to become a thing. Um, People love to yell Andrew. I love yelling Andrew. I think it's a huge party. Um, but I still officially go by Shane Hawk. But I, like, I kind of see it as like Madonna as a real name. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. um, Clark Kent is Bruce Wayne. Or not Bruce Wayne. Clark Kent is uh, Superman. But everybody knows that. But regardless, they still call him Superman or Clark Kent. I'm like, when I'm uh, a coach or when I'm, you know, like a, a booker, producer, when I'm behind the scenes, then Andrew is fine. And then like when I'm being my character, I'm Shane Hoff. But also I just kind of get a kick out of yelling my name. Yeah. It's kind of weird, but it is, it is, it is, it is I, what it is. I really hope you sell Andrew t-shirts. I think I need to with like yeah. several explanation points. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, that would, um, that I got to get on my merch game. I got to up that. Definitely. That's cool. Hey, so uh, talk about yourself a little bit. How did, um, I guess you grew up in Canada. And I never yeah, really in Montreal. Canada. What was, uh, what was it like for you growing up in Montreal? Oh, uh, oof. well, I mean, I was, uh, I grew up in uh, the West Island of Montreal, which is like the one English island in a very French province. Um, wow. Okay. An I was island, raised huh? by my grandparents mostly. Uh, my parents are wonderful though. I have like a, a great relationship with them not much family around uh my dad's side is in ontario my mom's side is in la and new york uh i'm jewish uh, i was uh i was had a bar mitzvah at 13 years old and then i cashed out and stopped caring about religion um <laughs> hey listen i made time. money so i, I was good you know time. but like i'll go to the dinners i'll go to like the you know the holidays or whatever if there's yeah. food involved that's fine um uh man like it's it's really hard to talk about my life before wrestling because I started wrestling at 13. 
Yeah, you that's know? true. You're right. Where did wrestling come into your life just for you to love it? So uh, my grandfather was a towel boy at the old Pepsi Forum. Uh, he would uh, be one of those like kids that they have around like, hey, give me a towel, see? And they would like toss him a nickel and like he would bring him a towel for like Andre the Giant and like, those guys. Oh, that's incredible. Uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. Like I would I would watch wrestling with him growing up. Uh, and he loved it. But my, my maternal grandmother, she hated it. She hated it. <laughs> she would call it to helmet this. Like she would see it come on and say to helmet this, which in her thick accent was to hell with this. Right. Like she would see wrestling and she would say, ah, oh, to hell with this. But I heard it as to helmet this. And for the longest time, I thought that was what wrestling was called it was called to helmet this. So I'd be like, Bubby, the helmet, this is on. going to watch. Um, I went to a sports camp as a kid. I was, I was a sports kid. I did martial arts and uh, soccer. I played rugby. Uh, I like, I like contact sports quite a bit, which is really why like wrestling kind of appealed. Cause I also like theater too. Uh, I was the lead role in my high school school play of the crucible played John Proctor won the uh, school play award. So thank you very much. A uh, little tip of my cap on that one right there. Super cool. Um, but yeah, I went to sports camp and my counselor, uh, her name was Shanna. Her name is still Shanna, but at the time the counselor was Shanna. And she was dating Beef Wellington, who's also an IWS original, who had opened up the IWS wrestling school with Sami Zayn. Oh, okay. And, That's cool. Right. So she had put us in touch and like I was only like 13, 14. It was actually in an amateur porn studio. And <laughs> uh, because IWS used to be owned by a porn company. Oh, interesting. Uh, called Wild Rose Productions. And IWS actually had the first ever weekly live streaming thing on the internet ever. Uh, and that's because they worked for a webcam company and they had the technology. So Bloodstream was the first like weekly wrestling show you could find. Um, so they had a porn studio there and like I made my parents take me there so I could train three times a week when I had 14 years old. Um and it was gross. It was completely gross. Uh, they'd like use the ring for shoot shoots sometimes. Oh, I remember wow. one time. Yeah, I remember one time very vividly. Uh, my father, who's a my father, is like never smoked a cigarette, never drank. You know, like my dad's like real like military straight edge, and uh, he had to drop me off at at uh, the wrestling school. Excuse me, and uh, he goes in. And he just sees like this inflatable orca whale this massive sex toy it's just like a giant free willy with like orifices in it and he just stops and like puts his hands to his head like oh no what am i doing with my son oh my god and i was like thanks that i'm gonna go wrestle now bye um we got through it nothing ever like sexually inappropriate ever happened uh or like there was no physical violence like, like nothing actually bad ever happened it was just like a very inappropriate environment for a 14 year old child to be in yeah yeah i could see that yeah but everybody was cool like there was no like i was like there was no touching or, you know nothing nothing bad ever i never saw any porn or anything like it was they kind of kept it like, separate for the most part it was after hours you know like it wasn't yeah. a thing that's good um yeah, yeah but anyway so i trained with beef wellington and sammy zane for about three months uh had my first match at the mwf the, Mon the montreal wrestling federation at the time uh, and like all the old IWS guys were there. Like Kevin was there, Rami was there. So Kevin Owens was there, Sami Zayn was there, uh, 2.0 was there, like uh, XS, uh, PCO, uh, Speedball Bailey, like all those guys. Like it was kind of like the feeder to IWS at the time. So I was wrestling there. So I was wrestling like pretty solid names on a weekly basis. 
uh, started wrestling, I was doing like two or three dates per week. Um, like while I was still in high school, uh, eventually in 2007, uh, I get to debut for Shikara pro, uh, at the arena in Philly, there was a, uh, a no show. So myself and another wrestler Twiggy, we had a match. It was pretty good. Oh, that's cool. Uh, and then nice. the, the March after, uh, Mike Quackenbush from Shikara, he brings me back and I wrestled this dude who's having his first match outside of Paducah, Kentucky with his little, uh, Afro and his name is Ricochet and Ricochet and I have a pretty sick singles. Um, and Ricochet's a year younger than I am. So like if I'm 18, I, like I'm 19, he's like 18. We're kids, right? Uh, we had like a really, really banger single. So I, I worked, uh, like that area, like Philly, New York, New Jersey for a while. Like I did, um, I like hung out around that area. Like it was, back then, like Ring of Honor was big there. CCW, Shikara, like those are the big ones. Um, so I, I worked there at least like two or three times a week. Whilst all doing Montreal, I was doing Ireland, I was doing Ontario, I was traveling, I did Mexico a couple times. Uh, I worked regularly until 2017 when I broke my back. Um, my L5S1 shot all the way out. Then I got a couple of concussions too many, so I had to take some time off. During the pandemic, though, I had a really good job with really good insurance, so I was able to rehab everything. And now I'm clean bill of health. I've been back for about a year, and I genuinely feel like because I had it taken away for me so long, I don't take it for granted anymore. So I'm in the best shape of my life now and I'm working harder than I ever had. And like, I'm 20 years deep, but I'm only 34 and I have been just grinding and grinding and grinding. And I don't think there's a work ethic quite like mine anymore, um, which is why I'm, I'm very confident about what I do. I love what I do. And like, I'm not trying to be a millionaire. I'm not trying to like out WWE, WWE. This is just really <laughs> something I'm doing my whole life. You know, it's a passion. It's a, it's a dream that I've had since I was a small child. I did feel like when I did AEW Dark and finally wrestled in an arena show, like 10,000 people, I was like, yo, all right, I made it. I did what I set out to do when I was a kid. Um, but now I've I've worked for every major company. Uh, I have my own school. I have my own fed. I have my own TV show. I have all this and all that. Uh, I think that's just through hard work. It's just been hard work the whole time, but uh, I wouldn't have it any other way. I've done a lot of sacrificing, but there's been a lot of good with it too. And I've been blessed to be able to do this for 20 years and hopefully I get another 20 more. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, you said that you rehab during the pandemic. That's kind of neat yeah. that you were forced to take that time off because, you know, if you didn't have that time off, maybe you wouldn't have been able to rehab like that. No, that's well. So I, well, I was still working from home, which was cool. So yeah. like during the pandemic, like I, I had injured myself pre pandemic. Um, and I kind of like resigned to the fact that I had been retired. And like, I really didn't think it was like a pro wrestling retirement or I was like pretending for a year. Like I thought it was a for real retirement. <laughs> Not like uh, a Terry Funk retirement. Right. Exactly. <laughs> like it was, a, it wasn't a gimmick, right? Like it was a for real one. Um, but then I was able to like get electrolysis done. Uh, I did uh, Cairo or it's a Cairo cryogenics there you go nailed okay. it yeah yeah not not egypt technology uh the the freezing one um mm. like i did like il- electric shit and then like i was in a room with uh just a therapist who would just like squeeze my back for hours at a time and it was excruciating um i could have got surgery but apparently if you get surgery you need surgery again 10 years later and i didn't feel like having my spine operated on twice uh it's already risky enough to have it one time i'm not sure i'm gonna do it again so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to suffer. We'll suck it up, buttercup, and let's go. And that's what we did. Um, kind of lost my smile, my confidence for a little bit. I, ca- I credit Speedball Bailey. Mike Bailey, uh, who's with Impact Wrestling now. Yeah, former X Division he, champion. 
That's right. Yeah. So he had been banned from the state. So he was kind of like stuck in Quebec too. And so uh, he was, him and I, we were coaching at the IWS Dojo together and he, he really pushed me. Um, and I really, I really do appreciate that quite a bit, uh, how much that he pushed me. Cause that really got me back into it. And I was like, Oh, I can do this again for sure. I got to modify a couple things, but like, I can do this. And now I, I really do think that I'm having some of the best matches of my career. Um, I think my shit's really fun and I'm, Got a really good reaction at AEW. A lot of people like were really impressed with what I did. Nice. Um, Who did you I, go against on Dark? It was the Dark Order. So it was me, two of my students, JT Producer and Zach Patterson, and Tyler Turva, a guy from Toronto, against uh, Evil Uno, uh, John Silver, Alex Reynolds, and Ten. Uh, and I've worked with Evil Uno forever. Like I've known this. I gave a speech at that dude's wedding. You know, like we've okay. <laughs> we've been boys for for a long time. And then, like, I've worked with Silver and Reynolds before, too, so that was really cool. Um, got backstage and, like, took a knee next to uh, Angelo Parker, who was watching. And I was like, hey, any advice or anything? Because, like, I'm 2.0 and I go way, 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 way back, like, brothers to me. And uh, I was like, any any advice, anything good? What do you think? What do you think of this, brother? And he's just like, no, you did great. I'm so proud of you. And I said, oh, thank you. But, like, for real, like, tell me what's up. And he was like, no, you did great. And then I looked over and Wardlow to name drop a little bit. Wardlow was like, you, you good? And I was like, yeah, I'm good. Cause I'd like, I'd sold my ass off. Right. Cause I want to make a good impression. And I'm like, I'm good. Yeah. It was like, I'm not going to sell any kind of injury right now. Absolutely not. Like I'm good, bro. And he's like, good shit. And he starts applauding. And next to him are big show and Mark Henry, who also kind of like lean over and give me like the slow clap, you know, like the, yeah, good job, kid which was really, really cool. Yeah, These are the guys you watch yeah. like growing up, right? And you're like, oh shit, they're putting me over. Like, wow, cool. And they've seen a million people on Dark right. come and go. Right. And then I, I walked over to Mr. Regal and I was like, Mr. Regal, uh, I saw you watch it. Do you have any advice? And he said, not really, no. And I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, you had a job to do and you did it really well. I have no advice. And I was like, Thank you very much, Mr. Regal. And I turned the corner and freaked the fuck out. Like, <laughs> yeah. like holy shit. All right, let's do this. Um, super fun experience. Would I was hoping to- you were going to say that uh, you asked him for advice and he had you a pair of brass knuckles. I wish. <laughs> I would use them. Make my, that's my new finish, brother. All right. Bump and feed. Watch the knuckles. There you go. Boom. <laughs> the punch, hell yeah, that's hell cool, yeah. man. Uh, what? So I know, I know, pre WWE, Sami Zayn didn't speak a lot of English. Uh, but what's it like uh, training with Sami Zayn? Oh, uh, I mean, no, he spoke English. No, I know Sammy. the El Generical character. I don't know who that is. I think he's dead. But anyway, yeah. uh, Sami wanted actually to build an orphanage. No, he got killed. Did that's he? Like, yeah, yeah, he got killed in the in the lore. He got killed. Did um, you write a comic book about that? I should. I honestly <laughs> should. Uh, it was great. Like, uh, it was really cool. Like, uh, he's, he's so talented and everything, you know, like we were very young too. Right. I think he's like 17. Um, then at one point he gets a cell phone and then he becomes too popular to Hollywood. We call him Hollywood Rammy at the time. <laughs> um, and, but, uh, we've touched base multiple times. Over the years. I saw him recently. I saw him this year. Actually, I got to introduce him to my girlfriend and stuff. Uh, super nice dude. Always down to earth. Like, uh, so talented he's like in my opinion he's the best in-ring wrestler in the world like not like you want to talk like draw performer all that but if you like look at this man's footwork and like his actual movements i don't think there's anybody smoother than chris no there's probably i mean i don't think anybody else in the world could do that uh that ddt through the outside i was there when he did it the first time through the post 
between the turnbuckles. Like Wild. that's incredible. That's precision. I was there when he did it the first time, and I was like, dude, could you save some talent for the rest of us? <laughs> like, uh, you are limiting me to only doing headlocks for the rest of my life because you are too good. All right. Thanks, uh, bud. Have a good one. I remember when uh, when he got signed and they took the mask off of him, and I was like, oh, no, I was so sad about it. But this guy, man, his personality, it shines oh, yeah. so much. He's been so incredible to watch. It's very much him. Like okay, okay. He's he's that like the character he's playing is just him with Larry David. Uh, <laughs> like he's extremely particular, um, very talented individual, obviously. But like I feel like everybody who's had conversations with him has a Sami Zayn story. Um, but I love that about him. He's let, let's say quirky, quirky, sure. Uh, but like this current run he's on is just. It's just brilliant. It's amazing. I could not be more impressed. Yeah, no, it's super, it's super incredible. Like I'm really loving the bloodline and what he's doing right now. And it's just, yeah. I mean, I've also always loved Roman Reigns. Um, I know that people haven't, people have been like, oh, he's boring or whatever. I think that's a lie. I think he's always been a good in in ring performer. Um, I think it was really trendy and cool to hate him for a minute. Yeah. Uh, I think that a lot of people who were mad at their dads, like express that through hatred for Roman Reigns. Because he has been really good. Sure, his promos have not always been the best, but like, dude, selling has always been on point. He, his footwork on punches is always fantastic. Like, he's been delivering good matches, and a lot of people were like, "Oh, it's his opponents," but it's like he's the he's the deciding factor in all of them, right? He's like the the common denominator. So, I've always been a big Roman Reigns guy, also. Um, but like the stuff they're doing, and also I'm big. I'm a big Usos guy too. Uh, I think they're a fantastic tag team. So, like, those guys together, I've just been loving it. And, like, every time Sami Zayn hits, like, the handshake with Jimmy Uso, oh, that's like, so just funny. on the down low, like, it's never actually acknowledged. Like, that's my shit right there. Like, that's that's entertainment. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. And I love when uh, when the Usos can't keep a straight face. They just, they're laughing. They get corpse every time. But, like, <laughs> so would I. Can you blame them? Like, it's hilarious, dude. Yeah, my wife and I will watch it. We'll watch for him. Okay, they're laughing now. Oh, Roman just turned his head. He's laughing. It's great. It's amazing. And like, it's it's so charming. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like so genuine. You love to see it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's cool, man. That's hella cool. Do you have anything uh, coming up in the future? Uh, Well, we got out of US every single month uh, for all of next year. Um, yeah, every month in Montreal, Baymats here. We've got weekly shows. I got my new wrestling show. Like, we, I've got some cool stuff in the wraps. Uh, I can't really go into too much detail about it, but we've got some like really cool uh, new concepts coming out. We're going to be working with some new talent, and the IWS students are just kicking ass every single day. So I'm busy. Like, I'm booked for the next two years, which is is good problems to have, right? Yeah, like I'm busy. I'm busy, but like it is good shit and. Uh, I mean, we're going to be announcing uh, on Saturday, uh, well, two weeks ago from when we're going to be announcing something big. I'm not going to mention it yet, but like something really big is going to be coming out by the time that we release this podcast um, for IWS, for Montreal Wrestling in general. That's and cool. I'm really excited about this year, man. Like we've been, we've been growing and growing and growing and now it's time to like show people who the fuck we are. You mentioned uh, that you have a TV show in a bunch of different countries. Where can people yeah. find that? 
It's called the IWS Bloodstream. It's on the Fight Network. Uh, F-I-G-H-T. You can find Fight Network in Canada. You can find Fight Network in the United States as Fight USA. Then they have Fight UK, which is on Sky Sports in the United Kingdom. Um, and then through Sky, it gets broadcast to about 22 different countries. So uh, the UAE, Turkey, uh, all, I don't I don't have them all memorized. I really don't. But like it's all over the world right now. We're doing about like a million five per month in viewers. It's pretty good. Um, That's plays awesome. Friday night, 8 p.m. Um, it repeats on Tuesday, Thursday, weekly new content, always been updated, half an hour episodes. Uh, it's got throws. I do the throws on them. It's professionally edited. We all we own all of our own equipment too, which is really cool. You can check us out on YouTube as well. There's like a solid amount of content on our youtube.com slash IWS hardcore. And then we're we're trying to get more content out there. We really are. Um so like IWS is on all the social medias. I'm learning TikTok. I'm learning it. Oh, me too. Well, yeah, I'm kind of too old for TikTok, but I'm learning it too. I'm gonna get there. I'm gonna get there <laughs> at Superstar Hog on the TikTok. Nice. I finally got a thousand followers, so I can go live. Hell yeah, good for you, man. Hell yeah. Right on. Yeah. I like to go live and just talk shit to people. It's fun <laughs> until they <laughs> ban me, I guess. <laughs> right until the wheels fall off, bro. Hell yeah. So if people want to check out your dojo or get more information on that, where can they find that? So they can find me at Superstar Hawk. Hawk has me at the end on every single social media platform. Like just DM me, hit me up. I'm happy to oblige. I'm on Insta. I'm on Twitter. I'm on TikTok. Facebook is Andrew Stott, not Shane Hawk, but like that's not really a thing. Uh, I don't know what the social platforms are. At IWS Hardcore, like I said. Uh, IWS Training Center. IWS, the letters I, WS Training Center on uh, Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. Get in touch, DM, message us. Um, pretty much anything IWS related that you can see. So that's like our Twitter, our Facebook, our YouTube, uh, our Linktree, or linktree.com slash IWS Hardcore gets you everything as well. Um, you'll get in touch with me and I'll be able to set you right in the right direction. And uh, I really think that one of our, like our facility right now, man, is, is going to change the game. I'm really excited about it. So if I was a yeah. prospective wrestling student, I would say get into the ground floor. You know what I mean? It sounds like it's going to change the game. That's Hell incredible. Yeah. That's incredible. I'm really, I really respect uh, what you're doing for the business and what you've done and what you're accomplishing. It's incredible. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Hell yeah. Well, thank you for stopping by, man. I appreciate it. This has been a great combo, man. Thanks for having me. And uh, I look forward to hearing it when it comes out. Hell yeah. I'll tag you all the social medias, of course. Uh, of course. On the social medias. Yes, we are adults. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Oh, likewise.